Hello, it is Overreaction Monday, October 11th, 2021, years after Zero Darius Butler stops by for his usual Monday conversation. It's electrifying AJ Hawk, the boys, in a massive week five slate to react to and overreact to, plus lead up into tonight's Ravens and Colts game. We can't thank you enough for allowing us in your ear holes. Let's get to it. We will be saying things so over dramatic that people will say there's no way you actually mean that and we might not mean this tomorrow or wednesday or thursday or feel good friday but in the moment on overreaction monday you're supposed to let it all out mm-hmm. you're supposed to ask the question are the chiefs dead oh, I'm not saying I'm asking that question. It does sound like at Boston Connor might be asking that question, but that's what overreaction Mondays are for in the NFL season to overreact. So today we'll be doing a lot of that. Darius Butler will be joining us in a couple hours, I believe. AJ Hawk will be joining us. Hopefully your phone calls on the five hour energy phone line, one eight three three four McAfee. We got reactions around Twitter. People saying their team's going to the Super Bowl. This player's an MVP. This team stinks. They need to fire everybody here. This is a beautiful thing. This is week five tonight. Wraps up with the coach traveling back to Baltimore. Because, mm-hmm. funny story, in uh, 1987, six, five, or four. Okay. okay. One of them. One of those. In the years. 80s. Yeah. Let's uh, hop back in time. Uh, the Baltimore Colts actually were all packed up into Mayflower trucks and then driven uh, or drove from Baltimore to Indianapolis in the it was then the Indianapolis Colts. Oh. Out of nowhere, old Rob Ursay, uh, Bob Ursay, Jim's dad, packed the whole team up. One week after giving an interview about saying, Colts aren't going anywhere. Colts aren't going anywhere. They packed the whole team up, came over to Indianapolis. Obviously, uh, there's a little bit of hate from some people in Baltimore mm. to the city of Indianapolis and the team, the Colts, because of what has happened there. But the Baltimore Ravens are literally a team that was stolen from Cleveland, so I think it's all fair there. But there will be people at tonight's game that would tell the Colts uh, that they're supposed to be in Baltimore still. That happens every time. Jim Caldwell told me that whenever I was uh, in my first couple years in the NFL, whenever we traveled to Baltimore, he said, somebody's going to say, give us our Lombardi back or something like that. Somebody's going to say, and I'm like, no way. That was so long ago. There's always one or two. Mm. And then everybody else that's in that place, fucking wild animals. <laughs> yes. This crowd tonight, Baltimore, on Monday Night Football. So I picked... The White Stripes, Seven Nation Army, as my walkout song because I get to go out before it's on TV, so it's just in the arena, and you can pick whatever. And obviously that song is a banger. It's not on TV, so they don't have to deal with the rights and all that. You get it. It's a banger. It's easy to sing along with. But I will say the first time I really opened my eyes to how incredible it sounds, and I'm sure uh, old Jack and... Uh, I think it's that. I don't know. who, who Whoever the White Stripes were. You get it. Mm-hmm. They got to experience this a lot. Oh, yeah. Baltimore, that entire place starts going. Oh, 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 oh. They start going. It sounds like one of those lunatic soccer games. It gets going so loud. Their crowd knows what they know football. It's an AFC North crowd. Tonight should be a fucking show, I think. And I just hope that old two sprains who got knocked down to one sprain uh, will be able to lead this Indianapolis Colts team into a rompus. I mean, it's going to be wild over there. Baltimore people are a, uh, a competitive bunch. Lot. 
lot. I don't want to say reckless, but they get after it. That place is going to be sweet. We'll talk about that as the day goes on as well. Uh, Colts are getting seven right now. Allegedly, it was close to going to seven and a half over the weekend. Mm. Might get back. Seven and a half seems like a good number for a lot of people to probably take the Colts, but I'm not 100% sure what we're going to see tonight. I have no clue how the game's going to go. We'll talk to everybody about that. At Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor. A couple quick questions for both of you. First, you, Ty. Green Bay Packers in an absolute thriller. It went from heartbreak to celebration, back to heartbreak for both teams numerous times. There was a, a moment in that game yesterday where Evan McPherson, rookie uh, kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals, alongside Kevin Huber, the 12-year punter uh, over there from Cincinnati, absolute stud pro bowler. Clark Harris, an absolute stud. There was a moment where they were celebrating a kick that went through the uprights and then they had to be told, nah, 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 nah you missed it. Yeah. <laughs> they had to be told that. That happened for the fans. They got into a position to win a game. They missed Mason Crosby as one of his worst outings. I assume it was a very breezy day in Cincinnati. I don't think uh, it was being talked about nearly enough by the broadcast how it was probably a pretty difficult atmosphere to kick balls with the wind, especially if you don't hit that ball clean. And by clean, I mean like a good rotation. Sometimes you'll see like a fat ball and you'll be able to tell because it looks like an X as opposed to an I flipping back and forth. And whenever it's a windy day, that X shape gives it a lot more surface area for the wind to catch in the pool. So normally, if you don't see as clean of a hit, the wind will chew it up and spit it out. There was a couple kicks yesterday, though, that were very clean that were moving. But at whatever the case, Mason Crosby, whenever it mattered most... Mm -hmm. You know, now granted, he might have got another opportunity. We don't know with how that game was going yeah. at all. Oh. He came through in the clutch at a 49-yarder. How you doing? Keep it moving. Aaron Rodgers said he asked Coach Mo uh, if he thought Mason was ready after missing three or four kicks already. Coach Mo, who used to be a special teams assistant at the Indianapolis Colts, now he's a special teams coach for the Green Bay Packers, goes, hey, he going to make it, which, by the way, has to say. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, has to say that. Aaron Rodgers knows forever if Coach Mo says, no, he ain't going to make it. Uh -huh. Now, listen, Coach Mo, optimistic guy, positive guy, great guy. I enjoyed working with him. I thought he was sweet. But if he says no to Aaron Rodgers there, Aaron Rodgers is pretty tight with Mason, right? Aaron probably tell Mason at some point when Mason and Aaron are talking, like, hey, just want to let you know, Coach Mo at one point said he didn't think you were going to be able to make it. So now, that like, you can't have that. So Coach Mo gives the answer he has to give. Right. And also one I truly feel like Coach Mo would believe in because the coach he is says, yeah, he can make it. And then Aaron goes, well, fuck it. Let's kick it then. And Mason goes out there, hits the game winner. Here we are. Another victory for the Packers. You don't seem as... Uh, jovial as, as, as maybe you should be what's that all about? no nah, i mean it was a good win all things considered missing three offensive linemen like the packers are very banged up not right now two of their best guys on defense it's just the it's the little things like i mean they get all the momentum in the first half you give up that fucking 70 yard touchdown right before halftime give the Bengals all the momentum back and it's just i mean you would know more about this than just about anyone but like with crosby Kicking it on third down when they did, when he clearly he had just missed two kicks. Like you take the ball out of Rogers' hands, where maybe you know you pick up another first down in overtime there, and you 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 get an easy. It just I don't know. I mean, it's an interconference game. Like Aaron Jones told us on Friday, it's an unfamiliar opponent. They don't play him, but like that was the most anxiety-ridden win I've ever watched 
with the Packers, maybe outside of like the you know last game of the season in 2013 when they beat the Bears to go to the playoffs. But I've watched that so many times, and they lose every single one of those games. They just well, congrats, man. Yeah, yeah you did. so so maybe things are turning around, but it's just like there's little things here and there where it's like Jesus Christ. Like if if you want to win a Super Bowl, if you want to get past the NFC Championship, it feels like there's just these same mistakes that get made over and over and over and over again. And you're not just talking about for these five weeks. You're talking about for the last couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, you know, Mo Drayton, I, I'm sure the special team stinks. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. like, I'm sure he's a great guy and everything, but, like, they need to get that figured out. Same deal yesterday, you know, like, Bohorquez wasn't punting great. I mean, teams are teams are getting into the 45 or 50-yard line on damn near every kickoff return if they want to. It's just like that kind of shit, if you really want to get to that next level, like you can't continually so, make those mistakes. So how do they – do they spend on uh, like special teamers? I don't think so, no. So that's a fascinating thing, you know, because a special teams unit is only – like Bohorquez said uh, that his job is to annoy the returner. Just try to get fair catch, fair catch. Now, he did not have a great day yesterday. I no. think he hit a couple short inside drop that kind of went out of bounds to the left or whatever. That's literally the difference of dropping a ball like this and then dropping a ball like that, and it's a game, set, match, or whatever. But normally, whenever you're trying to do that, it's when a team might not be investing in your special teams players because you're trying to take any potential catastrophe out of the game. And it's, it's fascinating because some teams really invest in it. You know, Some oh, teams yeah. are like, hey, we need our – our special teams unit to be good. And by doing that, they're investing in their backup linebackers, they're investing in their backup running backs, their tight ends, their safeties. That's who they're investing in. But mostly they're doing that because of how good they are on special teams. But some roster constructions, there's no way that you can even pay for a good backup linebacker the way some people. So it's all rookie men's, not even vet men's. It's all rookie men's basically playing special teams. And you have to remember whenever you look at special teams, and this is not an excuse for any missed kicks. I mean, this is the the rest of the people that are on the field there. They've never played special teams before in their lives. Right. The players that make the NFL are always the best players at every best, 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 best. And unless you're at like Alabama, I think, has some of their starters play special teams because they know that they're going to do that in the NFL. Nowhere else has their best players playing special teams in college because if they get hurt, your team probably stinks because they're NFL guys. So a lot of guys go in, especially with the rookie min model, which a lot of people are doing if they spend high end at the top for special teams. You're getting guys who are, are athletic, who are good football players, but who have literally never done what they're being asked to do. They could be great. Some of those guys will go on to be incredible special teamers. Some of those guys potentially will go on to live uh, very, very nice lives because of their work in return game and covering kicks. And then some guys will be, you know, Robert Mathis will come mm. out of this whole thing. And then some guys will be cut in two weeks and literally selling insurance. So those are <laughs> yeah. the, the, basically the way those whole things go. But it does feel like there is a couple Achilles heels that happen to the Green Bay Packers that show up in a lot of these games. You're able to win because, I mean, you got Aaron and Devontae. Right. Who are hawk and animal. I mean, they, they are so good. Yeah. Insane. It is so much fun to watch. And you look around the NFL, there's Jamar Chase and Joey B, by the way. They're a tag team that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jamar, obviously, in his first year. Joey, basically, in his first year, still after getting hurt in his rookie year. They are a tag team that is fantastic to watch. But when Aaron and Devontae just start cooking, and then you can even add Randall Cobb in there, I think. He had a huge catch Rand yesterday. Third and 18, Randy yeah. Cobb got took 
quite a shot, as did Aaron. But there's just a couple things that happen on Sundays that you know are going to be mesmerizing. And it's going to be probably Aaron Rodgers and Devontae making some sick play in some ridiculous time, whether it's to set up for a field goal, extend the game, whatever the case is. That is awesome. And uh, it's nice to see that the Packers won that game. I hate it for the Cincinnati fans, though. They're going to watch their team not have an indoor practice facility. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're going to watch their coach speak in front of a substitute teacher uh, rolling thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. No podium available. Mm-hmm. Billion fucking dollar operation. <laughs> biggest league in the world. $110 billion media rights deal signed just last year. Not counting merch and yeah, everything, advertising, what? live events, what? tickets, what? and everything else. Okay, not even talking that. They had a substitute. Mm-hmm. They had Sweet Chucks. Movie day. That's right. <laughs> they had Sweet Chuck, legendary substitute teacher at Plum High School. Rest in peace, Sweet Chuck. They had Sweet Chuck's little fucking roller with a movie mm-hmm. in front of their coaches speaking at a, at a press co- Look at this thing. Underneath the highway. Yeah. And they got Joey underneath the highway. Sorry. Yeah. That is, that, they had to kick the bums of Cincinnati out <laughs> of that particular bridge so that they could run their press conference in front of the substitute teacher podium. And whenever I say that that is not acceptable, I want to let you know, Bengals fans, this ain't about you. This isn't about the players. This isn't about the coaches. This isn't about the coaches that are probably understaffed, underpaid, and they probably have to help out in the scouting department because you don't have a scouting department fully like everybody else, I don't think. This is a direct shot at the goddamn owners. You're in the NFL. What are we doing? How can you be amateur hour? You saw that Tottenham Hotspur field, okay, transform like the movie Transformers. That that stadium, they had a, a, a delay or a, a time lapse. A, a time lapse. Yeah, there it is. That's a good word drop right there. That is a great word drop out of you. You, you knew where I was headed I before. Did, I did. Yeah. Yeah, they had a time lapse of that thing transforming into this new stadium, basically, and painting it in there. And I'm like, the Bengals have a substitute teacher rolly thingy as their podium thing. How are these? How is one in the biggest league in the world and the other one, you know, soccer? Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it just makes no sense in at all to me. So I, the Bengals probably win that game, by the way. Evan McPherson, instead of hitting that flag – Maybe, you know, sneak straight upright. Yep. If the football gods didn't see the Bengals shitting on the NFL every yep. single day with how they operate. Can you imagine any other team doing that? Like, no. I, you know, it's like I've never every every Joey Burrow doesn't seen. deserve it. <laughs> no, nope. yeah. Jamar Chase doesn't deserve it. How about Hendrickson, who tried to trip Aaron, by the yeah, way, okay. got him out there. Didn't get called on it, but hey, hey, still a play. They got players over there. Yeah. And who knows what Zach Taylor is? Literally, who knows? I mean, if you look strictly at records and that's what people do in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He would be considered a terrible football coach. Right. But he might have this thing turned around because he's got a couple guys. But they, they're never going to – I mean, maybe they will. Maybe the Bengals will be able to keep up with the teams that are investing in their facilities and their team and trying to do everything they can to make their team better so they can continue to win. Guess what? So they can make more fucking money. That's the uh, short-sightedness of this entire thing. Yeah. Uh, we're going to cut every penny on the backside because we have no idea about forethought on the money that could be on the front side here. It just – it makes no sense – at all, but Packers get a big win. I think big, it was oh, football yeah. guts. big win. Might have been a football guts. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm not saying it. Uh, Connor, I was watching a game uh, against the Texans for the Patriots. We're not going to talk a lot about this game, but yeah. uh, I was watching that game alongside you a lot. You quit on the Patriots no. four or five different times. Oh, <laughs> I mean. It's baseball season. 
It is. It's baseball season. Baseball season. It's, it's the most exciting time for baseball. I couldn't be more big of a baseball fan right now as I sit here today. We're playing in the Super Mega Bowl of the AFC East tonight, going on to the Ultra Super Bowl Mega Game of the AFC East tonight. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. We're possibly going to go to the Ultra Super Bowl Mega Bowl of the whole entire league, Pat. Wow. So, yeah. I'm excited for baseball, and who knew Denny Mills was one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history Quit of the National Football? Nah, yeah. Dougie Mills was flying around. Yeah, he's he, unbelievable. He was making plays, and the thing about him is, you know, Bill Belichick has that rookie quarterback thing. That's right, right. twenty and six. Doug was pretty good. I mean, oh, definitely yeah. lost. Okay, they're just they're talking about records, I guess, because they did win that game. But there was a large portion of that game yesterday where Connor legitimately thought. The Patriots were going to lose to the Texans. The score was yeah. indicating they were going to lose to the Texans. Then they ran an interesting punt yeah. play. Okay, huh. up uh, yeah. 22-19. I think they were up 13. 22-9, or, I think. 22-9. Yeah. yeah, sorry. 22-9. They were up. So they were up like 13 points at the time. And what they tried to do, I think, I'm not 100% sure. I, I don't want to say like I, I pitched this one time, but this has come up in a conversation that I've been a part of before. So whenever you're the punter and you're back, and you sprint up to the line of scrimmage as if it's a fake, the punt returner has you, so they come running up into the box so that it's even numbers, right? Because we're kind of offsetting each other in the box, whatever's going on, the 10 people in between us, yeah. right? Uh, on my side, 10 on his side. So as soon as I go up as if it's a fake, or if I go out to line up as a wide receiver or as a tight end or running back, he is to mirror me, okay? So as I go up under center, he comes up, and then... They did uh, something that I thought was actually pretty fascinating. They had Cam back up a little bit. Johnson, uh, Aussie punter out of Ohio State, was originally with the Eagles, now with the Texans. Has a monster leg. Has a, has a very large leg. He, he slaughters footballs. I have no idea how he does it, too. He doesn't jump or anything. It's just like this little whoosh, it's just gone or whatever. Uh, but he then backs up a couple like a quarterback is going to punt, like a quick punt or whatever a quarterback would do. Gets the snap as Gunner's trying to run back. So I think he was trying to steal a punt with no returner back, especially where they were. He could probably roll that thing down inside the 10 because it was like a third. I think they were at like the 39-yard line. So it's close to a pooch punt territory. But you, if you steal a good bounce, you could probably get it down inside the 10, the 5 there. And uh, I think that's what they were trying to do. Inevitably, um, you know, Larry Guy blew up the uh, snapper. As he does. And then the PP, which he does, he blocks kicks, he blocks whatever. Then the PP personal protector tried to block the snapper who was blocking Larry Guy. Larry Guy didn't stop for either of them. <laughs> -uh. Larry Guy was a runaway freight train, and he blew uh, them up. Cam hit one a little bit low, back to the left, too. Hit the guy right in the head. It was just a comedy of errors. Murphy's Law, what can go wrong will go mm -hmm. wrong. Uh, but also, whenever you have a lead on the Patriots and that happens, you know, people are going to mock you forever for it. <laughs> yep. Just a little heads up, by the way, Cam. You're going to see that again, Yeah, I think. 100%. Because we had a little punt thing we tried, too. And it um, Murphy's Law, <laughs> comedy of errors, just like what you had. Now, a little bit bigger game. I think it was a little prime time, a little bit later. I think yeah. there was a little bit better expectations for us than you guys in that particular game. And that's not your problem, Cam. That's not my problem either. I wasn't even part of any of that. I was just running uh, the coattails, that whole thing. But you will probably get reminded of that, Cam, if I had guessed something. Uh -huh. But in theory, I thought it was a pretty good idea. You know, in theory, yeah. it's a pretty good idea. Just like what we were trying to do. In theory, mm -hmm. pretty good idea. Unbelievable Just got to make sure everybody knows. Yeah. Hey, we're not snapping. We can't be snapping that thing, right? Can't be snapping. Especially whenever it's two on seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it really did remind me of Zach Taylor going for it on his own 29 up by two scores because that, that really did swing the entire game.
At Tone Diggs is here, hammered down. How'd you do this weekend gambling? I got kicked in the teeth uh, gambling this weekend. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, I hit a big teaser, so I came out plus as far as money-wise. Oh, units. Units. You're up units. Up units. Up units. got kicked in the teeth. Oh, no. A little bit of different feel out of the Hammer Don boys? Well, when, uh, when overs and favorites hit all weekend, it's not going to be a good weekend. For yeah, because you're an unders and underdog guy. Correct. Yeah, you like to see bad football. Yeah, Correct. I want to see the bad team Yeah, win. I almost threw up watching the uh, Chargers and Browns. Okay, <laughs> so thank you for transitioning to that. I'm assuming you will get hot. I ended up 8-6, I believe. Ooh, here we and go. Eight Eight and six. That's good. Well, a couple boost. big ones. You include that, yeah. The super I, boost. Hey, I had a couple. Oh, the super boost. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. hey we hit the super boost. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I, I wasn't even that loud about this particular super boost because I, just like everybody else, thought that maybe I had to earn and deserve, uh, you know, earn to deserve the respect. I thought that maybe some of my picks were given, and the, you know, the same game parlays on Thursday nights plus sixteen hundred, plus thirteen hundred. Those weren't hitting, and maybe a couple of the players that I relied heavily on did get hurt in the games that we were betting on so it was maybe is it my fault am i starting to mush this but don't look now don't don't look now Mm -mm. super boost has hit the last two times you know that's what we call a little bit of momentum that's what we call a little bit of a heater that's what we call a little bit of hey this super boost might never lose again Uh uh-uh good chance there is no reason for me not to overreact on this overreaction monday but i have to say I made a decision that the Super Boost just won't lose ever again. I made that decision two weeks ago, yep. and I've been right ever since. So now we got to continue to ride this train. And although it was just one bet, one pick, boosted from minus 110 to plus 120 or whatever, that's great boost, by the way, in that entire thing. Oh, yeah. It was just one team that had to do one thing, and at the end it did look a little sketchy because they were up 10, and we thought the other team was potentially going to have to drive down and score a touchdown, the Niners. They ended up kicking a field goal, settle that thing to seven. Kyler and the boys run that thing out. We cover how you doing keep it moving super boost might be the hottest thing on the internet what will the next super boost be Hmm. and will you tell me i hope you will because we need to take millions millions of dollars from fanduel because we know they're winning oh yeah too often we've gotten to experience it we've gotten to feel it now we need to get to the point where we start doing the winning. Hell yeah. We start doing the taking. Hell yeah. We start doing the raking. What? We start doing the fuck me. No, no. Fuck you. What? Super boost hit. But other than that, a couple parlays as well. Uh-huh. AJ won six and eight. We'll talk to him in the second hour about nice. how he's doing. But big for our show. Big production value. How you doing? Keep it moving. Sidebar. We got one. Yeah. yeah! All right, let's run down the list of things that happened yesterday in order of which we graded them of importance. Now, that should be called into question if you're looking at the sidebar wondering why is this one high and why is this one low? We are trying to grade them out of importance. It wasn't the entire council voting, but there was a legion of gentlemen uh, discussing this whole thing. To be clear, there's a couple things I think that might be a little bit too low, uh, but it's tough whenever you got to sort them out. This is just like giving out a Madden rating. This is just like doing this. This is us ranking what we think we'll talk mm-hmm. about in order. Yep. Turns out we were completely wrong. Packers win a thriller in Cincy. <laughs> yeah. That one was way down there. We thought for sure we would lead off like everybody else with the fucking Buffalo Bills. Damn. This team's a wagon, dude. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, obviously, the past two weeks, three weeks, I'm sorry, 
of the ass beatings that they've been handing out to people has been fantastic to watch. They were on a 56 nothing run over a six-quarter run, actually. Jeez. It was unbelievable. After that first week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Buffalo Bills went on this demolition run, and I loved it. I didn't know how. When none of us, did they just flip a switch and say, hey, we're going to fucking kill everybody? Is that what they did? Is that why the Packers have come back and won as well? But it seems like the Bills have done it in much more dominant fashion, so much so it is going down the record books for their point margin, even though they lost their first games. Yeah. Okay, they lost. I would assume that all these other teams did not lose a game in their first five games since 2000. Highest point differential through their first five games since 2K. The Pats in 2019, 121. Did you guys start off 5 0? Do you know? Yeah, 8 0. Okay, Bears 2006 plus 120. Pats 2007 plus 117. Yes, 18 and 0. Oh, okay, 2021 Bills plus 108, 2015 cards plus 100. That is with a loss. So they they and it wasn't great the no, loss. No, no, bad. It was a bad loss. So what the Bills have been able to do to teams via CBS Sports, by the way, shout out to CBS Sports stats people, analytic people. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. Shout out. Yeah, yeah. The guy's down in the dumps over <laughs> yeah. there. Forgot he has a friend over there doing that thing. But the Bills have just been dominant and fun to watch. And the team that we thought we were going to see show out in front of Bills Mafia week one. And I think the fascinating thing about that week one game. Not only did Dawson Knox hold Knoxie, Knoxie hit a uh, uh, tutter anytime touchdown scorer alongside Emmanuel Sanders uh, for me to hit a parlay. The thing he touched on is maybe that first week woke us up a little bit. You know, reminded us mm. that we can be beat, brought us back down to earth. All off season, a lot of dancing, good vibes, good feelings for the Buffalo Bills. That one brought us back down to earth, and they just went and beat. The shit out of the Chiefs in Kansas City. Now, they had to do it with an hour and 10-minute delay as well in the smallest locker room in the NFL, away locker room, Kansas City Chiefs. It is a tiny, tiny locker room. We're we're talking sharing lockers. OGs are sharing lockers. We're we're talking stacked on top of each other. I think they only got two toilets, to be honest. Come on. I'm not 100% sure if there's more than two toilets. There might be three, but I think it potentially even has like the open door on Uh, one of them. I'm not sure. It's a tiny, tiny. Place is incredible, okay? The fan base is electrifying. The team, obviously, been around a long time, a lot of history. That away locker room is terrible. Now, I don't know about the peanut butter and jellies. Who makes those? I think the Bills actually have to make them for their own guys. So I'm not sure if they were mad at their own people for the lackluster PB&J. Because the PB&Js, by the way, might not always be eaten by the team. They have to have them just in case. I don't think they have, like, a just in case there's an hour and ten minute delay Mm -hmm. at halftime supply of food. You know, I'm not 100% (laughs) sure that's something you think about. But withstanding that, then coming out on the other side – Building upon your lead, continuing to dominate, and definitely cover an alternate spread at minus nine and a half for somebody that maybe bet on that and made good money. This Bills team is a fucking wagon. It is awesome to watch. It's great to see the patience with McDermott and Bean that the ownership had to build that team. They empowered Josh Allen. They paid Josh Allen. They still have the ability to pay people around them. The defense hunts. They got like six D linemen that all eat down there. I mean, good for the Bills. It seems like they're doing it right too two years ago the defense carried the team last year the offense carried the team and now it seems like they're all on the same page and they went against 
which is now the worst defense in the history of the NFL statistically. Okay, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is going to have to figure it out. And it's fascinating that maybe they don't. You know, I think for the last couple years with the Kansas City Chiefs, any issues that they would have, we would say they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. That's normally revolving around potentially the offensive side, not necessarily Mm -hmm. the defensive side, that if you think about how – awesome the offense normally is the defense doesn't get as much shine because i think everybody goes hey you're the defense for the team that can score whenever they want now i don't think tyron matthew liked that i don't think stone cold chris jones liked that i don't think that leader the leaders in that group that went on to win a super bowl like that they took some onus on themselves but also i think an issue with the chiefs is they said that they've been facing coverages that nobody else has faced for the last couple weeks and if it's anything like what the Buffalo Bills did, I, I think the Bills just rushed four and then obviously dropped seven into coverage yep. or rushed three and then even mm-hmm. drop eight into coverage. That was exactly what the Pittsburgh Steelers did to the Buffalo Bills week one. I wonder, you know, we live in a copycat league, if the Buffalo Bills offense views itself pretty similarly to the Chiefs offense and they go, hey, this thing killed us. Imagine if we do this to the Chiefs. Is that the blueprint to stop the Chiefs? And now if the Chiefs have been facing this type of thing the last few weeks, what are they going to evolve into? Is it going to be more dump down screen tosses to Tyreek Hill, who is the most elusive player in the NFL, and he has proved it time and time and time and time and time again. Although Tony, Tony. Tony over there for the Giants is electrifying. We have a Giants fan in the office that says Tony's the most explosive, elusive uh, player in the NFL. Was like Tyreek Hill is still in the NFL, mm-hmm. right? Yep. This guy might be, by the way. And somebody called us whenever they were uh, a year ago. He was somebody either was a fan of Florida or at school of Florida, and he said number one for Florida. He's the next Tyreek Hill. He's unbelievable. Then this guy wasn't getting the ball enough because he was hurting training camp. Maybe I, I don't know what 100 what the reason was, but he still felt like he wasn't getting the ball enough. So allegedly sources of his, he came out and said it was bullshit. But allegedly sources said I'm not getting the ball enough. Let's go. I don't know if it's with him or, or not, but those sources were right. This guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He deserved to get the ball. He Good. is a superstar. But with Tyree Kill and with all the weapons that they have, I'm, I'm interested to see how they evolve too. And will they just run this thing? And will you be patient enough just to run, to run, to run? Because if they're dropping back, you could steal some. Uh, this is going to be a whole new chess game for old Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and that incredibly high-powered offense. Yeah, and I'll put Antonio over Kamara and McCaffrey either just to really check that out uh, oh, yeah. real quick. But yeah, uh, true. Kamara yeah. is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Tony might be there. Sure. We don't know. One day. We've only seen, what, literally two games? Yeah, and now that he punched a guy, Joe Judge will probably bench him for a game. But that's hate. That's not the point. Interesting, though, that uh, Joe Judge-led team punched a guy. Yeah, well. Mm-hmm. That's know. what a lot of people are saying on here. Yeah. Well, Judgey also, he's not afraid to throw the fists. You know, we saw that last oh, year, too. Yeah, I think yep. that's why people were saying yeah. that Joe Judge-led team throw a punch, obviously. Yeah, uh, he okay. was not happy about it. But the Nobody can be happy whenever your best player throws a punch <laughs> and gets ejected. Yeah. yeah, when your other starting wide receivers are also already out. And also your running back and yeah. your quarterback. Yeah, so yeah, so I can understand why he was mad. Yeah. Very, yeah. Uh, Anyways, the, that's, tough. Yeah. that's a tough go. Brutal. Yeah. No running back. No. Nope. That rolled ankle on a, a throwaway play. He's just jogging, yeah. almost going back to the huddle. Rolls his ankle. It's like when you're playing basketball and you're just accidentally jogging through the paint, and somebody's ankle's just there, and you roll it. Instead, it's one of the most explosive humans. Yeah. Saquon Barkley's ankle rolling immediately, getting swollen, yeah. low ankle sprain. 
not as bad as a high ankle sprain, right? Mm -hmm. Low ankle sprain, allegedly much quicker return than a high ankle sprain, even though the low ankle always looks worse, they say, because it swells easy, it becomes black and blue easy, but you get back quicker than a high ankle sprain. We know that because one ankle of Carson's is still sprained, mm -hmm. the other one isn't. That's the right. high ankle sprain, still sprained, a low ankle already fixed. He was our sample study yep. because those yeah. were sprained at the same <laughs> damn time Ooh, exact two sprains anyways saquon gets hurt danny dimes runs into a mac truck down there oh, near the boy. goal line okay he he gets up he's stumbling and bumbling <laughs> and fumbling all over the place hope he's okay obviously sky cam comes in i saw him throw a ball six yards past the line of, he was further down the line of, past the line of scrimmage than michael dixon was on thursday night football <laughs> and he tried to complete a pass obviously it did get completed because nobody thought he was able to throw the ball <laughs> yeah. so they were rallying to the ball and but anyway that giants team what a nightmare mm. sky cam came in there with no weapons his best weapon punches somebody gets kicked out i mean what's going to happen with the giants are they dead who cares i guess yeah right? who cares yeah. they're, they're a shit show the cowboys Pe yeah people were telling me though all week on tv the giants are a team that's going to yeah. make this close oh, sure. special. Hey, hey i know the giants this team's coming around they're tough mm -hmm. hey if you watch them don't look at the scores just watch the games watch the plays they're doing some stuff and i'm like I think I have had them on a TV a couple times, mm -hmm. and I do think that they are doing some stuff. But I just think that every team is doing some stuff. That's oh, yeah. true. At some point, somebody playing professional football does some professional football stuff. I feel like there are some teams that do more professional stuff yes. huh. than other teams, and those teams beat the teams that are doing less stuff. So it's not the absence of stuff that maybe the Giants or anything. It's just the presence of stuff that the team they're fucking playing against has. Yeah, well that seems to be the problem. Because I almost bought into the stuff conversation last week because there was a lot of people saying, hey, the Giants have some stuff that could potentially. <laughs> yeah. They could potentially. And I'm like, okay, everybody has some stuff. I mean, you're shooting people up. You're drafting people, paying them millions of dollars. Let's assume there is a stuff somewhere. But that Dallas Cowboys team has a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. CD Lamb is some stuff that is awesome yeah. to watch. Love his swag, too, by the way. Absolutely love his swag. Dak Prescott with Kellen Moore uh, getting comfortable. Oh, yeah. Getting comfortable, settling in. They had so much success together uh, going into his final year of his contract. A couple years back, broke all these records. Boy, wonder. Kellen Moore, how you doing? He gets hurt. Mike McCarthy comes into town and says, hey, listen, I'll earn your offense. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Like, if we get in a game, it's a big moment, and, like, we have to win the game. I won't know what to do because <laughs> it's your offense. But I'll be here. So much so that Dak has looked unbelievable. Yeah. That Dallas Cowboys team is cool. That That's a team that is obviously overhyped every single year. And here we are on Overreaction Monday. So take this with a grain of salt. Sure. Cowboys look like they're the team that has been hyped up to be for the last yeah. 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. They legitimately do. And the Giants might just be a fucking disaster with a lot of injuries. But this Cowboys team seems like a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, Zeke seems all the way back. Like yeah. he's playing as good as ever in their defense finally. Like Trayvon Diggs is unbelievable at picking balls off. He's got great skills. Yeah, that's, right. yeah, that's what I was going to Like they, they haven't been worth shit because they invested all that money in Zeke. And now he's playing like he was a couple years ago. And Dak could win MVP this year. Like they're, they're 
offense can shred just about anyone's defense, I think, and no one expected their defense to turn around this quick. Do you think Zeke is eating Buckeye heroes? Without question. Probably whenever he gets going. Yeah. It was great to see that again because it felt like that hadn't been around for some time. Everybody knew he was explosive, elusive, and incredible uh, running back, but we hadn't seen it for some time. Everybody's like, well, remember he went down to Cancun Diner, held out, (laughs) Mm -hmm. got paid. Mm -hmm. Anytime running back gets paid, he ain't good no more, blah, blah, blah. He seems to have completely transformed his body. He's all the way back to whatever the people said he wasn't back to in the past. He's moving. Pollard also is stud. I think that team, and I don't want to buy it too much. I like the Dallas Cowboys. I like them a lot. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn has come in there and made them have an identity on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, I know that he's a – you know, they, a lot of people are tweeting anytime I tweet about Diggs being a magnet. Six interceptions through four and a half court, or four and a half games. Okay, six interceptions, four and a half games. Now, granted, obviously that game has now ended, so he has <laughs> six picks through five games. Okay. But at the time, it was unbelievable. There was a lot of people saying, "Well, why don't you talk about the hundred and some yards he gave up or whatever?" It was like, "Okay, I will talk about that." But this dude himself. Got an extra possession for the Dallas Cowboys six times already in five games. You're going to live with that. You're going to be okay with that. A lot of Dallas Cowboys fans uh, tweeting, he's prime-ish. A lot of Deion Sanders comparisons coming Mm -hmm. to Trayvon Diggs. I think watching that defense play versus how they played last year, obviously Diggs' addition is huge. But Dan Quinn deserves some sort. He's got that backwards hat. Oh, yeah. He's sitting in a suite that looks like it's Jerry's up there. And he's just up in the sky cam looking down, just making magic. That team looks vastly different than they did last year on the defense. I love what you mentioned about Mike McCarthy. He basically lied to Jerry, saying that he watched a bunch of films. Oh, I watched every play. And then, you know what? (laughs) Let's keep the offense corner. It feels like it would be a lot easier if we just – kept his offense instead of me teaching everybody an offense. Let's just do what he's doing. Yeah, and who's who's moving my office in for me? Because hmm? th- the way I saw this going is I sit here, we do the thing, song and dance. I hit the watermelons. Uh-huh. <laughs> telling him Dan win the game. I go to my office. I talk to the team. Hey, good job out there. Good job, boys. boys. Then I hit the watermelons. <laughs> Imagine if... Now, this is back to Nagy's point, I think. You know, which is the Chicago Bears. Hey, let's go. Are the Raiders dead? Uh, people are asking questions about the Raiders. But the, the Matt Nagy thing of last week where people are giving Bill Lazor all the credit because he took over play calling duties and the offense got much, much better mm-hmm. than the averaging one yard per play average they had <laughs> just the week before that with the same team, same quarterback, same everything. Uh, a lot of people are giving Bill Lazor all the credit. And Matt Nagy said, well, you know, me as a head coach, allowing and dictating <laughs> what he can call and play. Basically something along those lines. Came off as an asshole, everybody thought. I think he was just trying to explain his side in his, you know, what's his role now that somebody else is calling plays? Is he even a part of it or whatever the case? Then obviously he comes out and says, Andy Dalton's 
the starter if he's healthy and everybody on earth said, well, we want to hear what, hear what Bill Lazor thinks, you know, because Bill Lazor is the offense. Then a couple of days later, Justin Fields is the starter. It's like, okay, maybe everything's coming together over there. Maybe there is dysfunction. Who knows? I don't know how it's operating behind the scenes. I love Justin Fields' press conference. I love the way Justin Fields plays football. And if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you got to be fucking pumped that you guys seem to have a real squad. Beat the Raiders so bad everybody thinks they're dead. Yeah. That is what the Chicago Bears are doing to teams right now. Yesterday, yeah. well, they continue right. to do that. Uh, you got to be pumped, Zito. Victory steaks all around. Yeah, I was so happy yesterday. My lady made chicken. I said, "Throw that chicken away. We need steaks right now." Okay, yeah, yeah. Coco, thanks for the hard work. Thank you for making that chicken. By yeah, way. yeah, thank you for that chicken. Uh, he will eat it today, obviously. Yeah. Well, shout but, out Cairo though. Cairo's doing really well, and that was our biggest thing was missing a kicker right well Cairo Santos is bombing balls he was once at the Chiefs then he was with the Titans I think out of Brazil uh he hits he strikes a good ball I wonder why he he probably just gets cold and they don't hang on to him because they don't have as much invested in him he's been a savior though for the Chicago Bears yes and uh I think the Chicago Bears fans love Cairo love I get him, I get a lot of tweets about Cairo like yeah. hey how come you never talk about Cairo you never talk about Cairo I apologize I should talk more about Cairo especially if the Bears are going to continue to win games that feels now the NFC North we all know mm-hmm. well, the Packers this no, week runs through Lambo the Packers missed four kicks oh no. Okay, that's an extra 12 points. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that happen that don't normally happen against a great Bengals team. Oh, yeah. I, I like that Bengals team a lot. They left six points on the board as well, I guess. But the Bears have to know that the Packers run the North. What? Mm-hmm. But Justin Fields gets hot this year, and this Bill Lazor offense at the defense continues to go. What's going to happen next year for the Packers? Oh. What's the NFC North looking like with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings over there? Is Kirk sticking around in the NFC North? It might be a brand new NFC North next year. Will Jared Goff? I'm so heartbroken, man. Oh, boy. Oh, that poor guy. Saddest thing ever. Hey, I love that he – I don't know how in professional football – as the head coach, he was able to get that emotionally attached week five of the NFL season. Because normally you got to go through some shit with your team oh, yeah. to kind of buy in. You know, like Chuck after the leukemia thing, like that really bought us together. I, I, I guess losing from a 66-yard field goal and some other stuff is some bonding things. Yeah. But I love how invested MCDC seems to be in that locker room. At what point will he turn cold-hearted and jaded and not care? I hope never. I don't think it ever will. I hope not, man. I think MCDC loves football more than any human that's ever existed in this entire universe. That's what I'm talking about. MCDC's turning around. He can be the Lions head coach forever. I don't care. Sign him to a lifetime contract right now. I love him so much, and I feel so bad for him. Now, there's a couple faces in this room uh, from other cities and fans of other teams that just said, this guy said a coach who has yet to win a game to a lifetime contract. It might sound like the most Detroit Lions fan thing (laughs) to say, uh, but it's real. It seems like he genuinely cares about Detroit and the team. I can't wait. I can't wait for his winning press conference. Oh, yes. It's coming. It's okay? coming. It's coming. I know that's coming. I can't wait to hear it. It's probably going to be a little bit, but back to the NFC North. 
that Bears team, if you're a Bears fan, you got to be fucking pumped for the future all of a sudden because Justin Fields looks like a dude, acts like a dude, talks yeah. like a dude. Everything about him seems like you got a guy. And with the NFC North very much up in question for the future, that has to feel pretty fucking good. I feel absolutely amazing. I thought we were going to lose just because we, we didn't have Dan Montgomery, but two guys just came up and took his place. I thought we played very physical. So you like I the whole it. team. You say Nagy's building the boys up. Yeah, they are, yeah. The whole team. There's actually a bunch of things that saying that Nagy was talking to his mic that he was calling uh, plays the whole time. And there was a guy who did a whole thread was like, yeah, he did not. Like, he made sure to see, like, how many times he lifted his play sheet and stuff like that. But it's funny. That oh, that's to a that whole narrative. thing. That yeah. narrative yeah. about, because last week he said, you know, yeah. I let him call some plays. <laughs> we all put together the game So I think plan. he's pretending talking to Mike sometimes and lifting his play sheet. The NFC North is run by the Packers, will be until further notice. And the NFC West uh, continues Oof. to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Rams do what the Rams do against Michael Dixon and the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> on Thursday night football. But the Cardinals and Niners yesterday... It was a doozy, man. Yeah. yeah. It was a battle. Trey Lance is a stud. I don't know if he's going to be an incredible quarterback, but I think Kyle Shanahan will be able to create plays and opportunities. Let me take that back. When I say great quarterback, I mean in the old school standard thought process of what a great quarterback is. I'm not sure he's ever going to have a 99 rating at throwing. Okay, or And if he is, it might be a little bit. He might be able to work on it in the offseason, build over the next couple years, just like Josh Allen just like Lamar Jackson, just like Baker May, just like all other young quarterbacks. So this isn't a shot at Trey Lance as a quarterback. But whenever he and Isaiah Simmons mm-hmm. had oh. a stalemate, wow, and it wasn't a touchdown. No, Obviously, no. it was not a touchdown. But Isaiah Simmons, who is a freak on that Arizona Cardinals defense, by the way. They're using him in the right way, too. He's flying around. He seems to be everywhere. Out of Clemson, nobody really knew what he was going to be. Oh, they're going to beef him up, make him a linebacker or a rush or safety? What do you think he's going to do? He does everything. He runs into shoulder-to-shoulder with Trey Lance. And although he didn't score, I think at that moment, I personally was like, Oh, this dude's a fucking tank of a human. <laughs> yeah. He can also throw. He seems to be fast. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think his football IQ is great. I think it's going to grow and grow. Shanahan pulling the strings. They could be something. They're going to have to adjust that offense. So it's much different than the Jimmy G offense. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to have to be, but we don't know if Jimmy G's healthy enough. So I don't know if Shanahan can make the complete adjustment right into the Trey Lance offense because Jimmy G's still looming, I think, because he had that Charlie horse in the calf. Mm-hmm. That's right. But on the flip side of that, that the Cardinals fucking go, dude. That defense flies around. Buda Baker, Isaiah Simmons, we just talked about him. Chandler Jones, obviously. J.J. Watt's making plays. Oh, yeah. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Rondell Moore is like option three, I think, option four. Uh-huh. He's filthy. He was a terrible <laughs> interview on this show. I think Horrible. he hated us. It was a bad conversation. <laughs> yeah. That means absolutely nothing at this point watching him play football in the NFL. He's fast. He's gritty. He makes plays. And it seems like he always shows up. Just like old buddy Williams, who's the tight end, rest in peace. Peace to his oh, knee. Man. Hell of a run. He's in peace. He's in peace. Mr. Williams, that's how they always seem to be around the ball out of nowhere. Who is this guy? I love this guy. <laughs> yeah. He gets hurt yesterday. Absolute shame. But Kyler, DeAndre Hopkins, mm. I mean, they are balling over there. And James Conner's running like uh, running like it's his first year at, at the Steelers back in the day whenever he was wide open out there. Yeah, it was nice to see because the Cardinals really, their offense, it was okay yesterday, but like their defense kind of won that game. And then with, with Trey Lance, it does. You said it. Very much feels like Josh Allen year one. Like he, 
He's not great at throwing the ball right now, but you know he could always develop into that. And I could see why uh, Jimmy G has been starting until now. Yes, and I think Shanahan was trying to say that after the first game that Trey Lance yeah. saw time. I think they have a lot of faith in Trey Lance that he could become something incredible, but maybe just not right now. But he's going to have to win him some game if this uh, Charlie Horse and the, the calf thing remains an issue for the pies on Jimmy G. Fascinating NFC West. It seems like the Cardinals are definitely in the driver's seat. When will they let off? Last year, they weren't consistent at times. This year, they they knew that. Seems like they addressed that. Will they continue just pedal Don? Will they continue just killing people, moving along, winning these tight games, and enjoying the process? I can't wait to watch. I enjoy the hell out of watching the Arizona Cardinals football Fun game. to watch. Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes, it's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> oh here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> should they should? That was, I think they're going in a different direction, so... Let's go back a sentence or two. Okay, okay. When you when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Ha! Huh. Lasts a long time. Banging it, banging it, banging it. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's Boom. right. Dingers. Downtown. <laughs> Bingo. Population you, dude. Hell yeah. Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the medication. Free two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Obviously, the toxic table at Boston Connor and at Ty Schmitter here. The host of Hammer, Don, after getting his teeth kicked in this past weekend yep. by the NFL at Tone Diggs. Hammer, Don, goes live at YouTube.com forward slash Hammer, Don. Uh, 15 minutes after every show ends. Uh-huh. Uh, Tone, what's today going to be like? Are you going to be wearing all black because it's a funeral because your streak or your record is in... The shit or no? Are we okay? We're bouncing it's back fine. tonight's a get back it's a, night. It's a long season. I I mean this fucking game tonight. Good luck. Yeah. What's that mean? <laughs> you got an idea? I know. Uh, I do. I do. I do. Oh. I do. I think I do have an idea. Okay. Oh. I don't love it. I mean, I know which team I like better, but I mean, who the fuck knows? You know, I actually have a bet tonight. Oh really? Uh, yeah, with a local establishment over there in Baltimore. Oh really? Uh-oh. Yeah, there's a little bet. Yeah, that scumbag place. Bingo. Hot. Johnny's Seafood? Jimmy's. All right. Jimmy's famous seafood. All right. worried about getting COVID? Well, that's the thing. There for a little bit, or I think. cicadas in your crab cakes? Well, that's yeah. interesting because they were they did host the cicada parade to celebrate cicadas oh, yeah. Yeah. over there in Baltimore as we were all dealing with mm-hmm. these 
terrorists, these cicadas. They have, the haven't worst. been seen in 17 years, came out of the dirt and just started yelling. And it wasn't just one or two of them. It was literally hundreds of thousands of them in everybody's yard. Yeah. Immediately upon hearing how terrible it was, Jimmy says, let's have a fucking parade for these cicadas, dude. Weren't they breeding uh, murder hornets, too? I believe the murder hornets were trying to come buzz through the cicadas a little bit. Mm -hmm. Trying to, you know, hey, let's let's go ahead and make the super alpha yeah. murder annoying thing. Oh. Yep. We will actually create the... No, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to say it. The most annoying... No, <laughs> yeah. can't say it. Anyways, they had a parade for the fucking cicadas. Then... There was this Baltimore COVID spike. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not that there wasn't in every single city, but the Baltimore one, they asked every single person with COVID. They, they wore full, um, like breaking bad suits in yep. the middle of the RV. What are those called? Hazmat suits. Hazmat suits. Like the, they wore full hazmat suits. They went into everybody in Baltimore that had COVID into their houses and asked them to write down where you were last. And they all said, well, how could you not go to Jimmy's Famous Seafood? Yeah. That's the place. Yeah. Best crab cakes on earth. Yeah. All of them wrote that. So they were allegedly linked to a cicada parade and maybe a COVID outbreak in the entire city because everybody eats at this place because they have the best crab cakes in, this, in the town. But still, two terrible things to be a part of. I got a chance to stop over there because my driver back to the airport got lost, stumbled into this place. Oh, Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful new bar. Yeah. Oh, Reno. Oh, beautiful oh, yeah. new bar. The bakery looks unbelievable. I'm like, what is this place? TV. What is it? I go upside. Guess guess where it was fucking Jimmy's. Uh, of course. Oh, so all roads lead to this place, it seems oh, like. Yeah. I go inside. They have some very, very, very expensive tequila. <laughs> it was unbelievable. The best tasting tequila I've ever had. We cheers. Get one for everybody. Then they give us this platter of food that tasted better than any food. My right God, now. it was delicious. But as I walked out of there, I said, thank God I'm leaving these scumbags behind. Yeah, I hate it here. This place stinks. The dude. worst. The worst place. Hope you ate with your mask on. Well, it's tough to. Tried. You know, yeah. But with those crabs, mm. you know, it's you, you gotta you gotta almost you use the mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. a steak. <laughs> Anyways, I have a bet with them tonight. <laughs> if the Colts win. Which is going to happen? All right, for this, for the sake of this, is this a bet? Hell yeah! The Colts, which is going to happen? Hell yeah! This team's bonding. All right, I saw them oh, board yeah. the plane via the Colts social media. They all look like they're upbeat and happy and confident. Yeah. If the Colts win, Jimmy's will donate one thousand dollars in crab cakes to Indianapolis first responders. Wow! If the Ravens win. I have to purchase a thousand dollars worth of crab cakes for our listeners because they do ship nationwide and they taste just as good yeah. as if you're in Baltimore. Right. I'd say uh, let's make it five thousand. All right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Five thousand for each. Whoa. I assume he agrees. So that's what's on the line tonight. Five thousand dollars worth of crab cakes for listeners. Five thousand dollars worth of crab cakes for first responders. Let's assume everybody's going to end up with crab cakes somehow because one of us will try to out. No, no, no. No, no, no. Because we got to out, you know. Yeah, top hand. Yeah, you yeah, have to, especially with them. So it's a big night tonight. There's a lot of crab cakes on the line. To join us and chat about this and my his thoughts on how this outcome could potentially be, ladies and gentlemen, college football national champion, Super Bowl champion, Ryder Cup champion, A.J. Hawk. What's up, dude? Hey, I don't get So why are they scumbags if they gave you free booze, free Goodness. food, and they're going to donate to the first responder? Did you hear about the cicada parade? 
Huh? Okay, that makes some scumbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It does. Yeah. They dressed them up. Yeah, did you hear about COVID, dude? Everybody in Baltimore. No, what's that? Well, so I I tried to explain. You must have missed this part because you were so flabbergasted by the goddamn uh, cicada parade. You're probably like, oh, we should have had that in Columbus. Mm. That's unbelievable. Celebrate something that's just so annoying. But uh, they polled every person in Baltimore that got COVID over the last 18 months. And the one thing that they all had in common is they had eaten at Jimmy's. Mm -hmm. So you do the math, okay? Everybody gets COVID. One X factor, Jimmy Seafood. Super spread. How about that? I mean, the crab cakes are delicious. You know, the crab cakes are unbelievable. And I guess everybody in Baltimore does eat there, but that's the only X factor that I could find on the the findings that I looked into. So scumbags, ipso facto. Also, they're not even giving you points tonight. Classic scumbag move. Bingo. Wow. Bingo. And they might have texted me and said, hey, you up for this? And I might have said, yeah, without even looking into it. (laughs) So that might have been them outsmarting me, which even more scumbags. Dude. But goddamn, their crab cakes are great, AJ. Oh, oh. Their food is Top so tier. good. They gave us uh, some stuffed oysters uh-huh. or something like that. The scalp. Some steaks. Oh, it was so good. But fuck them. Okay. Is that a franchise? Are they all over? Are they all over like, the state? Or are they all over the country? They should be, shouldn't they? That's a place that should be immediately. I'm thinking Joe's Crab Shack. When you say Jimmy's Whoa. Seafood, I, I think of Joe's Crab Jeez, Shack. I've seen AJ. that in a while. I've seen that, too. I think those one out of. I think COVID killed Joe's. Yeah, for sure. I think COVID... Whoosh, on Joe's, which recipes to all the companies that did not survive through the world stoppage or whatever. But Jimmy's is Jimmy's is a different vibe. Yeah. It's a vibe. When you go in there, it is. I mean, everybody in there is terrible. Mm-hmm. Horrible. But as you're in there, you're like, ah, oh, this is a good time. Hey, how we doing? Oh, hey, there's a bakery downstairs. And the story of it's even better. Like, even though the scumbags. Two kids, dad opened that place. I think he passed away when they were young. They started running that store as like high schoolers. Like two guys, so like now, uh, like old buddy with the the trashers. He was in high school and he took over the team. Bingo, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Similar situation, I think. But yeah, the bakery is so. Oh, they had it's this incredible. They had this cookie brownie thing. Oh. Connor told me there's a pizza store down in the basement. Yeah, I think they were giving pizza late, huh? Is that what you said, Connor? No, no. AJ's trying to spin oh. his web of toxicity, and I'm not going to have it today. Oh, you're saying. Oh, oh wow. This, this Cosmic guy. Guy. I'm just saying what he Wouldn't told be surprised, me. Though. Oh, this you're guy. All right, anyways, let's talk about what happened yesterday. I won eight and six. You won six and eight. It would have came down to the Bills and the Chiefs, which we were split on. We could have tied completely. Instead, I'm the outright leader. What is your big takeaway uh, after yesterday's games? What's the storyline we should be talking about? Obviously, Thriller and Cincy with Green Bay getting a win. Kyler and that defense for the Cardinals seem to come alive and get a big win against the Niners. There's a lot of good storylines, A.J. Hawk. Yeah, there is. I mean, honestly, I'd like the Cowboys right now to talk about just where they are, where they may be going. Like, I think hopefully people aren't getting too excited. I know Kellen Moore is getting a lot of love, too. Dan Quinn as well. People seem to forget that McCarthy's a head coach, don't they? Like, with that Dan Quinn-led defense and Kellen Moore at the, at the helm calling plays, like, these guys are you can't stop them. I think that was on purpose by design, right, by Mike McCarthy. We actually talked about this, and I kind of mocked it, but it might be real. I don't know. Other than smashing watermelons – and uh, guiding team meetings and CEOing this, right? There's two different styles of head coach. There's the head coach that is calling plays in every single offensive meeting, a quarterback meeting, and they do that. Or there's like a CEO style where, and some people label it figurehead, but 
it's I don't think it's that's kind of a shot. I don't think that's the case. Just manages the everydays. Like talks with the offense. This is what we should do. Just like Nagy was probably saying, this is how I feel about it. How do you guys feel about it? All right, let's come together. You guys go execute that. All right, let me meet with Dan Quinn. He has his ideas. I have my ideas. All right, let's go execute that. I'll run the team meetings, the schedule. I'll deal with Jerry. You think that's what Mike's doing and blasting watermelons? And that maybe that is why Kellen and Dan Quinn are getting all the credit because he's just so more so a CEO in this entire thing? I mean, he's definitely taken on that role as like the CEO head coach, but for the majority of his head coaching career, he was doing everything. He was in every you know, he's doing all the offensive game plan. He's calling the plays on game day. And how many times do I say it on here? The most important position on a coaching staff is the guy that calls the offensive plays. He can affect the game more than any other coach on that staff. And I also think so. when you're calling plays, that can affect you being a head coach too, you know? Well, you, there's just so much going on and so many little in-game decisions you have to make. Like, when do we take timeouts? Like, what do we do? Okay, if we do score, are we going for two? Like, all of those things you have to think ahead of. It's a little tougher, I guess, when you have – all of that like on you when you're calling plays because think about it if you're calling offensive plays don't you want to sit there and talk to your quarterback and your offense for a good chunk of time when they come off the field but you're the head coach you kind of have to be out there and at least observing the defense and trying to decide on what you may need to do here coming up especially injuries too whenever the trainer has to come up to you hey this guy's down this guy could go then you got to go talk to the defensive coordinator like hey your corner might be out you're they say you might be out you might have to do this should we move this person to this person how about going over to special teams now who's going to cover you got to go meet with the special teams guy now what's the best idea or you make a promise to your wife that if you're going to be a head coach again you're going to kind of take your hands out of some things and just fucking i'll just i'll let other people do it all right listen <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I, I don't have to watch film on every single game so I can know the new offenses. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit out a little bit. I'll tell him more. I'll let him age 15 years or one year. I'll let Kellen Moore do that type of thing. I, I just I think that type of head coach is better. Although Chuck told us you're lonely. You're out on an island because you're almost all by yourself because you're dealing with everybody, but you're not really dealing with one thing with a team anymore, which is what it used to be like. And if you, I think yesterday was a funny thing. Bob Sala, you remember what he was like on the sideline of a game? Oh, yeah. Oh, lunatic. Do you, do you remember why and how he yes. was what he was? And uh, I, I, I don't even know if Chuck wants me to say that he texted me that, but he texted me. He said, hey, you remember what Coach Coach Sala used to look like on the sideline of a game. And then they cut to Bob on the sideline of that London game, and he's just sitting there just fucking miserable, headset on, right? Most of the times we saw him, the headset was flying off. <laughs> he was celebrating with the defense. Now he's got to deal with, all right, is Zach Wilson going to be able to continue to evolve? Is our offense going to be able to move? Are we going to be able to stop a goddamn tight end one time down here? <laughs> there is just all that going on. It's a different game when you become that head coach. I think it's nice to see that McCarthy has gone hands-off, but also dealing with the entire thing, and they're having success, so who gives a damn at this point? Yeah, you're the head coach. Like All that matters is if you win. So whoever's calling the plays offensively, defensively, who cares? If you're the head man and you're winning, I think – Ultimately, the credit comes to you, and if you lose, also they, they come to you and say, all right, see you later, you're out of here. We talked about the Cowboys in the first hour, and we said it felt like for 10 to 20 years the Cowboys get hyped up, and this might be the year that it's like, all right, maybe it's coming together this year. Yeah. Maybe this is a year where there's something to really get excited about. It wasn't that long ago. What am I going to say, AJ? I, I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm curious why the long pause. It wasn't that long ago. That somebody on this show predicted. I was ahead of my time. <laughs> <laughs>
That's not how predictions work. That's not how, that's not how predictions work. Hey, if Dak would have stayed healthy, you never know. Maybe we'd have seen Never that. know. Hey, you never yeah. know. That's football. That's the NFL. But AJ predicted that the Dallas Cowboys were going to be in the Super Bowl last year with the Chiefs and the Buccaneers still in the seat in the league that they were in. He said Dallas Cowboys are going to represent the NFC. He might have been a year ahead of time, but I don't know how you could have predicted them to be this good. And maybe you did. Maybe you did think they were going to go on to do great, but I think it's because of Dak, right? It's our belief in Dak. I think the more I learn about Dak Prescott, the more and more I'm like, okay, that team could be a team because they got a guy. They got a fucking guy. You need a guy. You got a guy. You can win. You don't got a guy. You can, huh? You can't win. They, they, they got a guy, it seems like. They got a guy in, in Dak, and also Zeke is playing, I, I think, very, very good, like like he was a couple years ago. It's CD Lamb, I love that dude. Like, uh, just everything. His look, how he, his whole uniform, everything about it. His his socks. I, I'm hoping he doesn't get fined every game for his socks. He seems to to be able to skirt the rules there. But the dude seems to be unstoppable. I love how he he obviously is not super thick. Like he's a, a skinny little dude, and he seems to just run by everybody. He runs great routes. He's he's fun to watch. He's been fun to watch for the next 12 years probably for the Cowboys. Hopefully. Yeah, and Dan Quinn has turned around that defense. You know, yeah, Mike McCarthy leading the way. The man. Yeah, he is. He's uh, turnovers. It's amazing what you can do. Like when they have you have eyes on the ball and you're breaking. Like you can create turnovers. And, guy like Micah Parsons doesn't hurt to hit on him in the draft, too, where you can move him wherever you want and he can have an impact. People are saying Diggs is like prime, new addition of prime. Deion Sanders. That's what a lot of Cowboys fans are saying, I believe, because, you know, they saw prime in their prime, mm-hmm. watching the prime time of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, are we back to it with a modern-day prime? Six picks in four and a half games, six picks in five games. Absolutely doing it. Fun to watch. Good for the Cowboys. Uh, but they beat the Giants. The Giants stink. Yep. Yeah. Giants stink. Yeah. So let's go to uh, let's go to a couple other games, shall we? Your thoughts on the Bills-Chiefs before Darius Butler joins us. What do you think about the Bills and the Chiefs last night? What a rot. And that, that locker room's small, AJ. For an hour and ten minutes, two toilets. For them to come out and continue to bury the Chiefs, that was a great performance by the wagon that is Bill's Mafia. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm super worried about the Chiefs, but yeah, I'm not as confident as I was three weeks ago, maybe. I, I feel like the Chiefs can always figure it out. I know they probably eventually will, but man, the Bills look awesome, and I think, obviously, Josh Allen is a huge reason. I like their defense. Uh, it was cool to see Micah, uh, Micah Hyde get a pick six uh, in that game, too, but yeah, I mean... I, it's, I don't know what the Chiefs are. I don't know. Like, I definitely know like they're going to be there, and they're, if they stay healthy, they'll make a run at the thing. But I just don't know if they can – Like, how do you turn this thing around to where they look like the Chiefs that we know? Defensively, it's a potential problem. I don't know how you fix that. On the offense, I think they're going to have to finagle with some things because they said that they've been seeing coverages that nobody on earth is seeing the last few weeks. So I think what everybody is doing is potentially just rushing three or four and dropping everybody back into coverage. So whenever Patrick Mahomes, who said that he just started learning how to read defenses like a year ago, everything that he had known in the past is now changing because they're dropping two to three extra guys into the coverages. So what was once covered two is now covered two with two floaters almost happening back there. Is that an accurate assessment of what is happening if they drop eight, seven back to them? And is that going to be a problem that they can't fix? Well, it's hard when you when they do that. They rush three or four and they say, all right, here, we're not going to give up anything deep. We're going to keep at least two safeties deep and you're not going to beat us over the top. Yeah, you can move down the field usually, but eventually people are going to try to squeeze the ball into a window you shouldn't. It's like the whole bend but don't break thing, I feel like. And when you get opportunities to win one-on-ones, you have to win with those front four, I think, and get some pressure. 
it, it sucks. It's like when I when Aaron comes on, he's talked about back in the day when the Bears used to have Erlacher and all those guys. They're okay. running Tampa too, like sixty times in a game. That would happen, and they just they're just trusting like, hey, we're gonna make him throw underneath balls, not beat us over the top, and eventually. We're going to force them into it. We're going to get a tips, overthrows, and try to get a turnover. The Manning cast displayed that beautifully, I think, whenever we, he was playing against the uh, Raiders? No. Uh, Lions. 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 Yeah. He was playing against the Lions. They were in cover two, cover two. And Peyton, who I never saw just run the ball all the time, I think he threw the ball most of the time. He was like, this is the challenge, right? They're daring you. They're challenging you just to stay consistent, run the ball, not do anything crazy. Like, this is the challenge. you got to frame that in your mind if you're Aaron. And then all of a sudden, what, on a third and seven or something, they go into man, yeah. and Aaron just boom, right yeah. down, and then boom, <laughs> yeah. touchdown. So it was, it, was, it was cool to watch Peyton watch Aaron do it because literally as soon as they dropped out or went to cover one or whatever went to one-on-one outside Aaron acknowledged like Aaron was almost more excited than Peyton was. It was like, all right, we can throw this one. Bang, bang, touchdown. Then they went back to the cover two boring stuff. That's crazy that that is literally what they're trying to do. We'll give you yards, but we think eventually you're going to get greedy. It's just like, can you stay patient and can your defense hold up as well? Uh, it's a crazy game. Can this- your defense hold up with having like two safeties deep? Like they don't, if they don't need to bring an extra man in the box and they have a light box, like can your, your, your seven guys in the box stop their run game too? Like you have to – you have to prove to them that you could stop the run too. Like offensively, if you can run the ball when they're doing that, they're going to have to start bringing a guy down and try to get a little more risky, I guess, at least in the pass game. Joining us now is a man who played safety, nickel, I believe dime and corner, probably had to come into the box and drop into coverage uh, his entire career. That's football. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of the Man to Man podcast, uh, Blue Wire podcast. Congrats on that. Yeah. And also the host of everything DB, ladies and gentlemen, Darius Butler. Yeah. Yo, what's up, fellas? Good week, good week. Hey, great week. I hope you had a fantastic one gambling. can I want to kind of cap off this conversation we're currently having. Uh, Patrick Mahomes said they're seeing coverages that they've no, nobody else has ever seen before, basically. And <laughs> I think the Bills only rushed on one play. They brought pressure. Kind of what the Steelers did to the Bills week one. Is that what people have to do against these high-powered offenses? And do you think they'll be able to beat it? Or do you think this is just going to become their life now because of how much they throw and how much success they've had? I mean, I think I think definitely they'll be able to figure it out, you know, at some point. Like AJ said, you definitely have to have a threat of the run. You know, we're going to keep as many guys back as possible. You saw last year, uh, they came out of the gate uh, against the Bucks. I think Ty Hill had like 200 yards in the first half one game. And Bowles adjusted the second half. And then you saw in the Super Bowl, they did the same thing. They kept two safeties back. You prevented uh, Tyreek Hill from, you know, creating that big play. And you forced them to be patient. So they're going to have to adjust. But they still have the weapons. It's, I know it's overreaction Monday, but I definitely uh, won't write them off yet. Everybody doesn't have that personnel that uh, Buffalo has. You know what I mean? They got a good enough personnel, good enough team, good enough defense where they can rush for and they can be multiple in the back end. They got two safeties that can pretty much do everything. So uh, if you have the personnel to do that, they're going to struggle. But I think Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, uh Patrick Mahomes, they'll figure it out and they're going through a little rough patch here. But, um, you know, this is everybody jumping on that train early. They're going to dominate for 15 years. They're going to win 10 Super Bowls. It's the greatest thing ever. But as we know, the NFL adjusts. And uh, sometimes to catch up. It's our reaction Monday, dude. What? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how it, that's how it works week to week here. Like a guy that we're saying is the the greatest of all time. Next week is a coaching staff usually. Like, oh, people will call for their head, say they should be fired. Like, True. That's, that's just where that's we are. That's what the NFL is. But I wanted to. It's the world, to the, by the way. It's the world, not yeah. just NFL. The Vikings uh, Lions game with the interaction with uh, Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. Which first off, 
I thought was awesome. I think it's a great thing. There's no animosity there. That's what dudes do. Like, you get excited, you beat each other up. Like, what do you think of that, D-Butt? Was that all positive for you? Oh, definitely. Definitely positive. You know, Zimmer was big on, on you know, they were bumping heads early on. They're pretty, pretty close there. I was surprised by that. But uh, I think it was an awesome interaction. You know, it's tough to win ball games. They won a close one, you know, at, at the buzzer pretty much against – Against Foxy's poor Lions, man. I had my guy MCDC up there. Boo-hoo and his shit. No crying in football, man. Get better. Win a damn game. Oh, he cares. Oh, he cares. So everybody cares, man. It's a big boys league. Win a damn game. I feel sorry for Foxy, though. Hey, D-Bud. D-Bud. Foxy said give that guy a lifetime contract (laughs) after that. Be the Lions coach forever, D-Bet. We've never had a guy care this much about a team that is obviously cursed. Bruh, caring, that's, I mean, you get paid to care. You get, I mean, effort. You go get a bum on the street to run to the ball. Everybody does that. You got to care, man. Win a ball game, man. They're playing, they're fighting. I get it as a Lions fan. You know, I think he's setting the culture right. The guys do like him. The guys play hard for him. But uh, I know a lot of people were jumping on that. Oh, you know, Dan, Dan Campbell cares and he's crying. And, you know, I didn't do much for me. Figure that shit out. MCDC loves his team. Loves his team. That's he, loves, he loves, he loves it. It's week Luke five. Collins. Hey, it's week five, by the way. Imagine like a real. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going to happen, but I do like the fact that he cares that much after a week five. A week five loss. Let's fucking go, Lions. Gut-wrenching uh, losses. Man. Hey, let's talk about defense not playing football. Okay, Darius, <laughs> have a conversation. This Browns-Chargers game was electrifying. A shootout. Every game it seems like the world loves normally means the defensive side of the ball stinks. And that is kind of what took place. Both sides, they threw for an astounding wreck. Do we have the uh, any of the graphics for the records? Like, the amount of records that were broke. Obviously, Baker Mayfield and the Browns are the first team ever yet to score 40 points in a game without committing a turnover and lose. The record for a team doing that, four. One and O in the history of those games Damn. where you, comp- huh. you scored 40 points and didn't have a turnover. Somehow the Browns ended up losing that game. And the Browns and Chargers wow. combined for 89 points, <laughs> 1,025 yards, 52 first downs, 12 touchdowns. Shout out to the NFL putting that graphic together and those stats together. Darius, is there just <laughs> some games where the defenses decide pregame? Fuck it. We're not going to do anything today. Man, hey, in some games when these quarterbacks, man, when they're on, they're on. And, and, and a team like the Chargers, I've been on this Herbert. I've been driving this fan club bus for a while now. And everybody's kind of, you know, jumping on it, jumping oh, on the back. Now, everybody right, sees okay. what I saw. All right, okay, all right. So, it's overreaction Monday. And yeah, he's going to win the MVP this year. They're going to win the AFC, the AFC West. But, I mean, it was, it was a shootout, man. And his coach, man, his coach is smart as hell. He kind of is one of those guys. He's a football guy, but he's also big on analytics. So he's going to go for it on fourth. He's going to go for it on uh, two-point conversions. And Browns couldn't get off the field on third down. So, yeah, you're going to lose um, in those critical situations when a guy gets one more opportunity. It got to a point where they had to push Eckler and end zone just to get themselves another chance. But, I mean, defense, they just couldn't get off the field. It's not only a third-down game anymore. It's like you got to win on third, and then, damn, we got to win again on fourth down. So that's, that's tough, uh, especially when you got a guy like, 
Herbert at the helm. Okay, so D-Butt, you're in the secondary. AJ, you're in the linebacker. Did you? I know no Moss is in basically every single defensive playbook. Hey, we got to give up a score so we can try to get the ball back. This situation was perfect for a no Moss play. Did you guys practice? Hey, if he don't want to score, fucking make him, dude. Uh, pick his <laughs> ass up and throw him in your own end zone. That was awesome to watch and for them to execute. A lot of people were wondering why they didn't just take a knee. Do you guys know why not? I understand they're trying to center it or whatever. That was a clusterfuck there, though. Have you guys ever been taught to pick somebody up and dump them in the end zone? D-Butt, you go first. I'm sorry. Uh, never. I don't remember actually practicing it. You know, you let the guy, I mean, you let the guy score, you let him score. But back, I mean, it was four years ago. But when I was playing, like, analytics was as big a part of the game. You know, this situation probably happened a handful of times. I can remember Bradshaw doing it. But I don't necessarily remember actually practicing a play where picking up a guy and putting him in the end zone. We definitely knew the situation, you know, when it presented itself. Yeah, Pat, I think we've, we may have practiced it a few times. We never practiced it where you would pick the dude up. Like, hey, if he's going to try to take a knee or he's trying to get down, you guys do whatever you can to get him in the end zone. I know our offense, I'm sure you guys is too. D-Butt would know more than Pat unless, Pat, you said you did watch practice. Like on Fridays, you. did you guys – Third-string quarterback. Yeah, would your offense work on the your offense uh, taking a safety where the quarterback would dance around, hang around the end zone, and then just step out the back? Yeah, and then I actually had to do it as well on the punt, you know, because there's like the slow punt and everything. And after a week, I don't know, two of doing it, I was like, all right, I think I got it. <laughs> you know, like I think I got it, but I guess it's for the it, linemen though, they it, teach the linemen to hold all the whole. Line yeah, line everybody holds. Yeah, everybody tackle the person in front of you. It's not even a hold, by the way. It should just be a tackle. Like just go tackle the person because normally one person would end up missing the hold anyways, and they're coming scot free. But all those situations are practice. I didn't know if the no moss also carry ass was also in there. Turns out that was not the case. What's the big storyline you think going into the night, Darius? Obviously, the Colts going to play against Baltimore in Baltimore. That crowd is awesome. Should be an incredible environment. What are you thinking going into the night, D-Butt? I mean, I, I unfortunately picked against my coach tonight, man. I think Lamar Jackson, he, he's another special quarterback, man. And the league is filled with him. The AFC, it looks wide open now. You got the Chargers. You got the Bills. Um, and then Lamar is another guy who can have his team right in that position, too. So I think this a, he's going to try to make this a statement game. Uh, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully Colts upset. But uh, I, I, I got the Ravens winning the night and covering that seven points, too. That place is going to be loud over there. Oh, that, yeah. That stadium Especially is, at night. Oh, yeah. That place is going to be loud. Go ahead, Diggs. This is kind of actually a question for all, all three of you who have played in the NFL. Thank um, you. Thank you. You're welcome. Have you guys ever had a head coach that had – no idea what a challenge was. Uh, and then, like, the entire sideline, like, hey, hey, shithead, throw the flag, even though it clearly shouldn't have been thrown. And then once they they did throw the flag, run up and then goose him uh, for throwing the challenge. Nah, I didn't goose him. He gave him a good slap on the ass. It wasn't a goose. Him walking around, oh, though, yeah. this number here in front of the ref even a couple times. Did you like, hear what Siciliano said? No. Nah. <laughs> because, because that challenge flag looks the same color as that three-quarter Ohio State zip. No, you didn't. <laughs> on, on. See, that wasn't my red zone, but I did see a bunch of tweets saying that Cicely Arno said yeah. that. Cicely Arno is a savage dude. Oh, Coming yeah. Throat. He said, hey, look me in the eyes. Let's go eye to eye real quick. <laughs> uh-huh. him, him finally throwing it on the field, though, was one of the best displays of what. why is this guy here? You know what I mean? <laughs> he, there's no way. Nobody believes this is going another year, right, D-Butt? Hey, no, hey, you, people heard it here first. I think it was Jay where you, you, you spoke about, you know, you guys or him knowing you. And I said, hey, I wouldn't go near this guy to 10 football. I would not hire this dude in the NFL. 
and uh, I don't I don't see him last the pass this year. I didn't I wasn't watching that that terrible game, so I didn't actually see what happened. But I've definitely seen some coaches rattle, you know, in that challenge situation. Obviously, he's got a lot on his mind. Team got a lot on their mind, so it doesn't surprise me at all. But I think after this year, they they wash their hands of all herb. AJ, he stinks, dude. <laughs> well, the, the whole challenge thing, it looked like he was – was he waiting on confirmation from somebody in the booth to throw it or not? But then he, there was so much like a groundswell of everybody's like, you've got to throw this thing. In his mind, he probably thought like, no, we're going to lose. And he ended up losing the challenge anyway. Yeah, so he was probably right in the end but looked terribly wrong throughout the entire Damn. process. That seems to be maybe, <laughs> you know, a, an upside for Urban in this entire thing is that maybe yeah. he was holding off for confirmation. And then whenever it doesn't come through, maybe in the meeting he could say, you know, I was waiting. You know, I did a lot of things wrong. <laughs> but I, you guys wanted the challenge. Now we're even, right? You guys wanted the challenge. Yeah, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> now, we're even. <laughs> now we're even. Let's, let's move big, along man. here. You know what I mean? It, it must have been a situation that game, too, where a quarterback sneak uh, oh, possibility yeah. came up. And I saw him speak yeah. on it, <laughs> saying Trevor Lawrence wasn't ready for that. Like, they had to practice it. I don't know if you guys ever – I've never seen a quarterback sneak practice in practice, I think that's just one of those things that quarterbacks have. And then Trevor Lawrence came out basically like, yeah, I'm ready for a quarterback sneak if we need one. So this dude's a piece of work, man. To the exact point that Darius Butler was making there, we actually have the clip. And it is amazing watching Urban dance around <laughs> trying to answer the question without answering the question. And in doing so, says about 10 things he probably shouldn't have said. He probably just should have answered it <laughs> head on. This seems to be a thing. We do not have the video. But, yeah, it's clipped together of him dancing. And then Trevor immediately after goes, no, yeah, I know. That's no problem at all. Yeah. And it's right. like, oh, my God. Now Trevor, who has been put in an incredibly interesting situation, okay? This guy, ever since he's in seventh grade, this guy's going to be the next guy. Eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade. This guy's going to be the next guy. Goes to Clemson, wins an Addy. This guy's going to be the next guy. Always going to be the next guy. He had to wonder whenever he went to Jacksonville, like, all right, this is going to be my home. 10, 15 years, I'm going to be able to do this thing, just like everybody thought. And then all of a sudden... The Urban Meyer thing starts unraveling, and he's like, this place stinks. The NFL <laughs> is an absolute joke. But he's held it together, I think. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to. He knows he's going to outlive Urban Meyer, I'd assume. It's going to be his franchise now and going forward, and I don't think there's a better quarterback for it. But that was definitely an interesting series of events in that in that press conference. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, D-Buck. Kadarius Tony threw a mean right <laughs> hook uh, on one of the Cowboys D-backs. Are you trying to antagonize young guys uh, on the other side? And uh, how do you do that? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say not me personally, never trying to antagonize anybody. But he, I mean, he was, it was stupid, man. He, he was having the best game, you know, of his early career. Obviously, with a lot of guys being out with the Giants, he had probably over, what, 170 yards or something crazy like that. So, to do something like that, you know, Joe Judge is going to have to either suspend him for a quarter or some, you know, some bullshit to try to make a statement. But it's stupid. I, I didn't try to antagonize guys, like especially young guys. It, that wasn't part of it. You're trying to win in between those lines. But a stupid, uh, selfish moment by him. Young kid, so I hope he, uh, he learns from it. Debo, you're one of the biggest doll fans I know. Um, I oh, assume no. I assume oh. you have your ear to the ground in South Florida. That team fucking stinks. Is stinks. has the Deshaun Watson stuff really picked up around uh, down there, or what are you hearing? It has picked up. It has picked up. Uh, life comes at you fast as a doll fan. We do stink <laughs> right now. Biggest point differential in the league. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, my guy Jacoby, you know, is not not looking good for him right now. Be flow struggling, but we'll we'll be all right long term. Now you are nah. watching Herbert do what he's doing, man. I think it just hurts a little bit more. But uh, when we get Tua back, yeah, still got a chance. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, chance. Yeah, still got a couple years for Tua to continue to grow. By the way, I mean Herbert uh, might be in the MVP conversation, conversation this year. Gumpy, your thoughts on having to watch Herbert do what Herbert does every single week? Mm. When Tom Telesco, the general manager of the Los Angeles Chargers, actually said. Yeah, whoever the Dolphins took, we're just going to take the other guy. <laughs> so uh, you guys took Tua, obviously. It might work out long-term, but in the very present time in which we live on a day-to-day, it looks like you guys are staring down a whole <laughs> we stink situation for a long time, Gump. Yeah, if anybody, one person said to take Herbert before Tua, I would feel hurt a little bit, but hindsight's twenty twenty. You know how it goes. Oh, you're saying in the time it was to make that draft selection, not a single person said the, the shy... Uh, the guy who might not be able to handle the big lights, the guy who was out at Oregon, although he looks like he could be the part. He is not Tua, who's been at Bama and done the whole thing. Yeah, nobody I, was beating I, I that say, drum. I did say don't take Tua. I did say A lot that, of people bro. said don't take Tua, but nobody said to take Herbert. Tannenbaum said. Tannenbaum said? Tannenbaum said it would be irresponsible to take somebody with his injury history in the first five picks of the NFL draft. And we all thought that Tannenbaum was speaking as if he was speaking to the owner because he has a relationship, I guess, with the owner. So I automatically was like, well, if Tannenbaum, who's talking to the goddamn owner, saying it, he must be yeah. out of there. And then turns out maybe they're all throwing a little smoke and mirrors there in draft season. Yeah, that, that was my issue, too. Obviously, he had a big bunch of injuries at Bama, but that big hit one. And he's a lefty, man. I mean, you got to play your eyes. Like, how many lefties have come in and dominate the NFL? You look at Vic, but he ran a 4-2. And I wouldn't say he dominated either. So, uh, when I'm going to lefty quarterback with those health issues, it was definitely a bit concerning there. I like like uh, Gump said, it wasn't on the Herbert train because of all the question marks that they had around him. But if you're an evaluator in this organization, you're going and looking and thinking about taking a guy at number five, you should do a little digging and just find out that he's a he's a damn introvert and he's not you know he's not a bad leader and all this other bullshit. But hindsight is twenty twenty, and he does look like the best pitch, pick of that bunch. How come the lefty thing is a real thing? What why is it? I, I can't. I don't know why, but um, it's it's a thing. You know, you're, it's, that's the thing. So if I, look <laughs> hey, up, I can't fucking tell you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you. I don't know if it's the coordinator. You got to think if you're a coordinator, if you're a play caller. Your whole career, pretty much, you've probably been calling plays for right-handed quarterbacks. Offensive line, same thing. Boots, you know, the different directions. Now your right tackle is the most important position, too, on the O-line. Yeah, so it, it, it changes things. The, the spin on the ball is different, just like a lefty punter and a righty punter. That's a different spin. It's different reasons why that may be true. But if I'm taking a guy top five, if I am going to take a lefty, he at least got to have a clean bill of health. So uh, it was a risk. And uh, like you said, you still, we still got time with Tua, though. We're not giving up on him yet. Still got time. Going to be a rough couple years watching yeah. Herbert do his thing, though. Go ahead, Nick. <laughs> uh, D-Buck, quick question. What the hell happened to UConn this weekend? You guys oh lost to UMass, dude. Oh, yeah. UMass. That, 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 that is rough. It's, 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 it's rough. UMass used to be the school where guys would go when they weren't good enough to play on UConn. Like, that's where our guys, oh, man, you know, go ball out of UMass. And uh, for them to beat us, they were 111, I believe, in 2019. Didn't play last year, and they came out and beat us. It's bad, man. We're, we're in a bad, bad spot in UConn football right now, man. Hey, those cats stink, dude. We, yeah, we suck. Hey, we lost to Baylor bad, bad, bad. Embarrassing bad. Can't be losing to Baylor like that, especially – it's Baylor without Matt Rule or RG3. Yeah. 
Well, you got to win game. I mean, mm. we stink too. West Virginia's not great as well. But then as soon as I found out you guys <laughs> lost to UMass, I was like, all right, I guess it could be worse. <laughs> I guess I'll trust the climb of Neil Brown. We didn't lose fucking UMass. I guess it could be much. Who's coaching up there, UConn? Uh, Spanos now. We fired uh, Essel you know, after two games, and then we hired uh, uh, he Spanos. Yeah. He retired. He retired. Yeah. He, re- he announced his retirement at the end of the season, and AD just said, ah, you know what, we're going to do this thing today. So he is retired. <laughs> He's is golfing right now. We got old Spanos up there. Frankie's up there coaching the old line. You remember Frankie with the coach. Right? Yeah, that's really the UConn coach right now? Yeah, no, he's Frank. Uh, yeah, old line coach. I love him. Good Frankie, luck up there. Hey, hey, Frankie, get out of there. You can't be lo- you can't be coaching <laughs> for a team to lose to UMass. No. You deserve a lot better, ladies and gentlemen. Hosting the Man to Man podcast, a Blue Wire podcast, and also everything DB, ladies and gentlemen, at Darius J Butler. Everybody, how do Ohio State do this weekend? Uh, I believe they won. They rallied. beat the dog Routed shit out Maryland. of Maryland. Yeah, but they needed it. It was a good one. It is good. Get the boys back on track or whatever. But college football had maybe its greatest Saturday yeah. in some time, mm-hmm. and and that's why like the West Virginia Baylor thing definitely stunk. Uh, but I also got to watch the Red River Shootout. Oh Ooh. yeah. Hey Oklahoma, Oklahoma was getting dog walked out there. Yeah. Absolutely smashed. Stacked and baited by Texas. There was actually the Aflac question by Chris Felica. Bear, what is the biggest blowout a first-year head coach has given to the other team in the history of the Red River shootout? And it was Switzer or something in, hey, 19, oh, in yeah. 1974 or something. Yeah. yeah, 73 or 74 or something like that. He won 50 to 13 or so. I forget exactly what it was. They were talking about Sark coming into this thing and changing it completely in the state fair dying there in cotton bowl beating the hell out of oklahoma welcome to the sark era people were tweeting i was getting texts and calls from my friends in texas that love texas bruce pritchard texas legend wrestling legend texted me and said fucking texas is back buddy (laughs) (laughs) all right People love Texas in Texas, and beating Oklahoma is a massive... And then all of a sudden, Caleb Williams comes in that game. Shits on Spencer Rattler. Or Spencer Rattler's life is terrible, by the way. Gets yeah. 4-0 as a starting quarterback in a massive school at a place that loves football. And there's portions of the student section chanting, fuck you, Rattler. He's undefeated. And then all of a sudden, Caleb Williams gets in there, cut, breaks six tackles, scores a touchdown. Rattler goes back out and is like, hey, your time is limited here, pal. Boom! This freshman goes into superstardom. Spencer Rattler's probably trying transferring today if I had yeah. to guess. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to mock him and make fun of him. I don't know what he's supposed to do. Caleb Williams is a superstar. Texas loses. They stink. Didn't even cover. That yeah, I mean, heartbreaker. Heartbreaker for Texas and Matt McConaughey and Sark. I would imagine they all felt pretty good. I mean, that was an awesome game. It really was. But yeah. hey, credit to Rattler. He came in and got a huge two-point conversion that they needed after he'd been out for a little bit. Like he, At yeah. least he kept his head in the game a little bit, which we would have been very difficult, I believe. I agree. I, w- I agree. They were judging his mannerisms on the sideline. Rattler's rattled, everybody was saying, <laughs> obviously. He didn't go celebrate Caleb's long run or long touchdown or throw or something like that. It's like, I listen. He should have been pumped up for him. I agree. He should have celebrated, been a good teammate. But you could also see how that kid potentially is like, oh, my life is over now. Yeah. Uh, the Heisman front runner yeah, coming exactly. into this year. Yeah. Top five uh, pick. I was going to win the Heisman. Now I'm a backup. Yeah, but doesn't it? It's a Red River shootout. Fucking put that behind you, pal. 
Okay, worry about that tomorrow. Let's just get a win over Texas. Let's make sure we can put these horns down all over this place. Let's make sure we can do that. And I got a little lesson, too, from my uh, my Texas friends. Hmm. You know what sooner means? No. Okay, so I actually wrote notes for this thing. Uh-oh. Um, all right, so there was something called the Oklahoma Land Rush. All right, there's a true story. Yeah, okay. The word sooner in itself is actually cheater is the message that I was told from my Texas friend. And I responded, this is Bruce Pritchard, by the way. I responded with, I don't know what that means. And he said, it's too long to text. And he calls me. So he calls me immediately while watching the game. Texas is up over Oklahoma. He's flying high. He's fuck. I don't know how much he, I don't know how closely he follows football, but it sure felt like Bruce Pritchard every year wants Texas to fucking beat Oklahoma. That's what it felt like. So it was awesome kind of riding a wave while watching this whole thing. And the, 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 ner- the name Sooner uh, comes from the Oklahoma land rush. They had made an agreement that everybody was going to be able to go get two to four acres of land whenever they were going across in the wagon and everything like that. And you weren't allowed to start seeking your land, your two to four acres, until a cannon went off in the morning when it was like sunlight. That would then imply everybody who's in one area could go off and find their land. Mm. It was supposed to be it was something that was agreed to. What ended up happening, obviously, is there was a bunch of people that went out much sooner. They went out in the middle of the night before the boom. They claimed their own land, kicking people basically out of Oklahoma to go elsewhere. Wow. So the Sooners are actually the people that heard that there was an agreement about a boom to come to go get their land. The Sooners said, nah, we ain't waiting for that shit. I can't run as fast as that motherfucker. Uh, Let's go ahead. Our horses are slow as shit. We need to start now. We don't have time. And that's where the term Sooner came from, allegedly from a Texas fan. I'm assuming there's an Oklahoma definition as well, but it feels like it shouldn't be Boomer Sooner. sooner. It should be sooner. Boomer. I think if that's an accurate tale. Oklahoma boomers would be sweet too. That would be sweet. Yeah. I would assume Oklahoma people have their own boomers. You know, <laughs> their own belief of what happened. Well, I'm just telling you. I mean, it was very matter of fact that it was being told to me, and I have no idea if it's true or not. But the word "sooners" is a bunch of people that made an agreement and backed out on it and said, "I'm gonna go get my own land." Nah, you can fuck off and go over to wherever did you reach out to bruce after the game like hey hope you're doing all right i did not follow up no he was flying high i mean texas was a state again you know what i mean yeah i said hey texas seems like a state again you got people moving in there creating generating winning this red river rivalry how we doing keep it moving texas is a state it was literally our last sentence he said it always has been oh (laughs) man and it was awesome better get arch he's a legend by the way he is a great conversation bruce pritchard great conversation they all are over there at the wrestling world. Yeah. yeah. The internet says a lot of things about a lot of people who've probably been around what WWE for like 30, 40 years. I guess there's a lot of pent-up potential stories and happenings that could go through there. They've been all very nice to me. I'm very thankful. Yeah, good people. Very nice to you, Slapdicks, too, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's nice. ridiculous. They yeah. shouldn't be. Makes no sense. Too yeah. nice, actually. Other people probably experience something different. I'm just going to tell you how I do. Bruce Pritchard's fucking awesome. <laughs> Kevin Dunn, also awesome. He's in my ear every single show. And by the way, Vince McMahon in my ear. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't ever see him in real life anymore, though. I just hear him. <laughs> Interesting. That's kind of cool, though. The voice of God. Just yeah. The voice of God. <laughs> yeah. In my ear. Ha, ha, ha. That's when I know I've really done it. Like when I almost got my head ripped off. Sure, oh, man. You know, at the Dangerous. End, of the, at, at, end of that thing? Because that thing's clipped to my sport coat, and it was wrapped around his foot. So, I mean, it was like 
dragging me a little bit. I'm like, well, I'm not going to deal with this at all. And I go run, and then I put the other one on. As soon as I put the headset back on, there is a pretty good <laughs> in my ear. I'm like, right, he wants you to. He obviously wants you to hear that because he's got to press the push the talk button in your ear to hear him laugh. Yeah, and there's other things he wants me to hear too throughout the night. <laughs> <laughs> what? All right. Yeah, yeah. Got thumbs up to him. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I will. Right. Talk it down. All right. I will, I, will, I will back off. So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions and millions of dollars to their users. Users, FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sportsbook going for a lot of reasons, most of them what I just said. Uh, we are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel, obviously. There are so many different ways to win. There's more things to bet on. Their boosts seem to always hit, which is just fucking themselves over time and time again. Uh, we love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook, and you will too. If you haven't used it yet, use it now. Nah. Also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel, shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your day-to-day. The fact that you do, I'm eternally grateful for. I know there's a lot of other shit you could listen to, so the fact that you let us be a part of your day-to-day, Monday through Friday, is so, so incredibly nice and cool of you. Tomorrow's Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. Please be a friend. Tell a friend if you like this show. If you didn't like this show, just act like it never, ever happened. Ty, please play some independent music and repel these people into a beautiful Monday night football. Monday, October 11th. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers.